Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. In my opinion, the best podcast about real estate investing in the world. John, just kidding. There are We are really good, but uh, not to toot my own horn, there's a lot of really other good podcasts out there as well. I'm just really glad you're listening to us. And I got a great guest on the show today. His name is Robert Nickel. And we're going to be talking a lot about systems, about outsourcing, and uh, give you some really good actionable advice and tips on how to get good VAs, how to find good VAs that are already trained. Um, I'm excited about this because this is one of some of the biggest questions that I get from my clients is how do I get good virtual assistants? How do I find people that will answer the phones, return phone calls, make offers, uh, do marketing for me, do my social media stuff, whatever. So Robert's going to be talking a lot about that. Uh, I just want to let you guys know, first, if you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, um, we've got a free fast cash survival kit. You've heard me talk about it before. Um, if you haven't gotten it yet, why not? It's free. And again, like we always say, if you don't like it, you will give you your money back. But in that fast cash survival kit, we pull back the curtain and show you how we do deals. Alex and I, how we do deals in our own markets, virtually how we do our marketing, how we use our virtual assistants and how I flip lease options. And it's really cool. You're going to get a lot out of it. You're going to enjoy it. Um, the other thing I want to tell you is thank you for leaving us reviews. Um, I'm going to read a couple of reviews here in iTunes. It really means the world to us when you leave us reviews. And if you go back about five, ten episodes, there was a, a podcast episode that we did called Leave a Review, Get Free Stuff. And if you leave us a review <clears throat> and you send an email to that email that's in those show notes, we will actually send you some free books, some free videos um, that are not part of the free normal regular bonuses that we give out. Leaving us a review helps us in the rankings in iTunes. Um, so whether you leave us a good review or a positive or a negative review, yeah, whether, whether you leave us a good review or an awesome review um, or any kind of review, we will give you this cool stuff. Um, so I'm just going to read a couple of them here real quick. This is a five-star awesome podcast from Crazy Lizzie. He says, I am a podcast junkie and listen to anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and 30 minutes every day. So I've gone through a lot of podcasts. A lot of podcasts I stopped listening to because of the hype and the lack of actionable content. Not the case with the Real Estate Investing Mastery podcast. I've listened to this show for the past two years, and I still get excited when I see they have released a new one. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Crazy Lizzie. appreciate that. And uh, just one more here. This is um, lots of great advice. Five stars, chat to me. Very well done podcast. Covers a great variety of real estate topics from a guest with lots and lots of excellent insights. That is um, really cool here. Oh, and one more. I got to read this one. Um, I love this because um, we're gonna. this is kind of going to be what we're talking about here with Robert. Um, just what I was looking for. Five stars from Begin Now. I just learned about the term remote wholesaling, and I am totally excited. This is exactly what I'm looking for to create wealth in my real estate investing endeavors. Thank you, Joe and Alex, for giving me access to learning more about this avenue of, of investing, which will give me more freedom to work from home or travel with my family in the future. 
I've listened to a few of the podcasts and can't wait to devour all of them up, hopefully offering me enough information and giving me the courage to put things into action. Aloha. That is awesome. I love it. Um, You've heard me talk about in previous episodes, I think. Um, My wife and I are actually right now planning on going to Prague in the Czech Republic again in about five months. And we're probably going to be going for maybe six months now. Um, we're still talking about it and praying about it. Like it's a big deal, right? But, um, I'm so excited. I love this business because it allows us to live anywhere in the world, anywhere we want and still do deals. And a lot of that is because we have the systems and the outsourcing in place so that our business can run for us in spite of us. And it is true. The less you work, the more money you'll make if you have the right system set up in place. Um, and we're going to talk about that with our guest, Robert Nickel. Robert, how are you, my man? Good, Joe. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate you having me on. Thanks. I sure appreciate you being here. Um, we met at a mastermind that we were both a part of a month or two ago in Phoenix. And um, I love going to these masterminds because you meet some people that are um, just crushing it in real estate and doing some really cool things. And uh, you do a lot of deals, Robert, but you also have a business where you, I almost say you outsource your outsourcing, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> That's, so yeah, kind of that, right? yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's pretty so much you have a business where you um, train virtual assistants and you pre-screen a ton of them and you train them for like a hundred something hours of real estate investing training and then you give them to other investors to hire. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. So we have um, we have an enormous infrastructure built around the recruitment side. You know, talent, the getting high quality talent. Talent is one of my um, biggest concerns. Right, they've got to be able to perform. And so we have um, recruitment. Uh, that recruitment goes into you know we screen them and IQ test and give them personality profiles and and then yeah they jump into training. So by the time they're done with our training program, they actually have closer to about two hundred two hundred forty hours of training. Wow. So before you even let them loose. They have over 200 hours of training, and you pre-screen them, which is which is I'm so excited about. I've never heard anybody do this before. Um, you actually send them into personality profile tests to see if if somebody wants somebody who's good at sales, um, they have to have a certain personality profile. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. When um, when we get candidates in into our talent pool, one of the first thing we do is we put them through really extensive disc profiling, DISC profiling. Um, I'm sure lots of your listeners have heard of that, but um, you know the the disc profiling is really powerful to get a really clear picture of the talent before you ever start working with them. Right. Um, and so what that allows for is for us to hone in on a specific individual who's really going to be successful in what we're trying to do. Yeah. And uh, you've been doing this for quite a while. We're going to talk about your investing side of your business as well because um, that kind of ties into your journey in creating this business. But you still do deals, right? Oh yeah, that's that's still the primary crux of my business. My number one money maker is still real estate, and right. it probably always will be. Um, and you've been doing some really cool things with the Fortune Builders organization, is that right? 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely associated with Fortune Builders. I've been coaching for them for a long time. And that's Fortune Builders actually took me from um, doing you know a few deals a year, five or six deals a year, to where I am today, where I'm trying to do over 100. 100 deals a year. That's awesome. That's Thank about you. eight deals a month. Yeah, that's about where we're at. All right, so could you do eight deals a month without good virtual assistance? No stinking way, not even close. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, cool. By the way, if you if you are ever talking to Than, um, try to get him on my show, would you? I will. I will. I'll let him know that we gave him some pretty big shout outs here. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, I've been trying to get Than on the show for a long time. Uh, he's a busy guy, but uh, shout out to anybody who knows Than Merrill. Um, tell him that you've got to get on Joe's podcast. Real Estate Investing Mastery, and uh, I'd love to talk with him. He's a good guy. I have talked to Than. Um, in fact, a couple couple years ago, we were talking about um, partnering together on some coaching, and uh, I talked to him for almost an hour. Really nice guy. Um, like a lot, and he was. We were talking about him starting his own podcast as well, and helping him with that. But um, cool. All right, Robert. So um, Fortune Builders is a great company. You probably have learned a lot of stuff about investing. Talk about your journey. You know, like how did, what were you doing pre-real estate days? You're a young guy. I mean, were you flipping deals in high school? I mean, yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of my background. When I, growing up for all, every summer, all summer long, what I did for my jobs, um, you know, summers between school was I worked for my best friend's dad, who was a general contractor. And so I spent my summers uh, rehabbing houses, essentially. That's what, what we did. And not for investors. This was for, you know, homestead, people who owned their properties and they wanted a new bathroom or they wanted a new kitchen or whatever it may be. And I worked for him long enough that we got to do some really awesome projects, everything from um, just redoing some small bathrooms to um, this, the last summer I worked for him, we built a two and a half million dollar house. He contracted to be the builder for a two and a half million dollar project, which in North Texas, almost on the Oklahoma border, we were actually in Sherman, Texas. That's um, it was actually, I think, the biggest house, most expensive house in Sherman at the time. So I had a lot of construction experience um, just for my summer job. I got into college and uh, towards my, my senior year of college, I was starting to realize that I had to do something in life besides play basketball and, and have a good time with my friends. And so I was trying to really focus on what I was going to do career-wise. Yeah. And my, my dad was a dentist and um, still is, but we lived in a small town, a real, real, real small town in North Texas. There's less than 6,000 people in the town. And my dad had a really successful and still does really successful dental practice. The thing about the dental practice was, and I guess this is really common with doctors, especially in small towns, is they have a hard time collecting bills. Um, for whatever reason, people don't want to pay the doctor. They think that the doctor should be the last one to get paid. You got to put new tires on your car. You got to fix your car, whatever it may be. Your kids are sick. Um, you don't want to pay the doctor. So what we started was what we called soft collections. I helped my dad create a, it was essentially a, a collection agency, but we just sent a letter series out to people in our town that, um, would, would try to get them to pay their bills. It was really soft, so we didn't offend anyone. We just let them know, hey, 
you don't pay your bills, we potentially will report to your credit, right? So that led into I started working my senior year of college. Um, that Because I started that collection agency, I got headhunted from a local agency that was running a collection agency, and it actually ended up being the largest medical debt purchaser in the world. And so I was my entire senior year. And then immediately after college, I was in the collection industry and I was managing um, eight call centers across the country. And I was directly responsible for about 600 people. And I was managing those eight, eight agencies to a monthly goal. And I was working my tail off and I hated my life. It was just not um, nothing against the industry or anyone there. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. And I was working really hard. I was working long hours. The job was good. I had great opportunity and I was very thankful for the opportunity, but I knew I wanted to do something else and I wanted to do something else sooner rather than later. So the, the guy that I was working for, that was the GC, his son, like I said, was my best friend. So I called Kurt and I said, Kurt, we need to flip some houses on the side because I can't do this eight to five stuff forever. And so my buddy and I started flipping one house at a time in far north Texas. And the first property we ever did was um, a guy we knew, his father had passed away. And we bought his father's two-bedroom, one-bath house in Denison, Texas for $11,000. We would go to that property every day at 5 o'clock after work. We'd work from about 5 to midnight. His dad would come spotlight the houses for us so that we could work all night long. And then we'd, we'd go back to our corporate jobs during the day each morning. And then we'd show back up at our projects. We did everything, everything. We ran the electrical, ran the plumbing. I never want to be under another house again. I've run so many flex lines and PVC lines under properties and installed water heaters. We would do everything and then we'd call the professionals to come tie out the permits, right? So we we wouldn't want to pay anyone to do anything because we didn't have any money, but we still had to get the permits approved. So we would pay the professionals at the very end just to sign off on the permits and say they did it. So we did enough properties like that to know that that's not how you do it. Talk about hating your life. It's like I went from a job to now I've got two jobs and I was so overwhelmed. I had no time for myself and I really was not happy. So I was trying to figure out, well, what do I do? I got to have a job. I've got to make some money. So, so what am I going to do? I was flipping about four houses a year, but again, we were doing all the work ourselves. What, what year was this? That was in 2008. Okay. Started in 2008. And at that time, um, you know, 2008, here in North Texas, the market never really dipped like it did the rest of the country. So we definitely got hurt. It flatlined a little bit. But when we went through the recession, we our economy stayed pretty strong. Very, very fortunate that the North Texas economy stayed pretty strong. So there was still some opportunity there. And it was actually a pretty stable market, which which – made me feel like I was just a good investor, but really the, the economy and the market was, was primed for me to j- jump into investing at that time, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So what we did from there was that's, I was doing about four properties a year in 2008, and um, I guess 2008, 2009, and then coming into 2010, I was sick of it. I was ready to get out of real estate. I was ready to get out of my job. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I quit my job. I quit flipping houses and I went and got my realtor's license. Uh, 
And so I worked as a realtor for a while thinking that that was going to be the best thing for me. And it didn't take too long to not really enjoy being a realtor. Um, my, my anecdotal story is I always talk about, I had this client and they were actually close family friends of mine that I spent three and a half months driving them around, spent over, over $2,000 in gas. Everyone in Texas drives a truck and so do I. So I spent over $2,000 in gas. They ended up buying it for sale by owner and not telling me and cutting on that, cut me out. I didn't have a uh, representation agreement with them because I thought we were buddies And after all that work, I didn't get paid. So I realized pretty quick that being a realtor can be tough. It can be really tough. So long story short, that's whenever I kind of got associated with Fortune Builders. I heard then he came through Dallas, which he now comes a lot. And um, I got associated with Fortune Builders. And their whole principle is built around the E-Myth, Michael Gerber's E-Myth, which is just around you know, leveraging other people's time so that you can grow and scale. Right. So I took those concepts and it really made sense. The whole fortune builders principle is to not do every single thing I was doing. Right. So they took me, they basically showed me that every single thing I was doing was wrong and that I needed to change if I wanted to, to improve what I was doing. Brilliant. So I, so I really jumped into what they had. And I really absorbed it. And I took it to heart. And I've never looked back. And that's, that's kind of the short story of my journey. So when did you start? I mean, when was your first Fortune Builders workshop? My first Fortune Builders workshop was in, I think, 2011. Okay. And um, you, did you just buy their courses? Did you sign up for their workshops? What, what did you do? Yeah, so they come around. They do some preview events. And so I went to a couple of their previews. And I was immediately hooked. And mostly because their sales presentations were, were phenomenal. I had never seen someone control a room and, and facilitate a meeting the way they did. It was really wild. I was really, really impressed. Hmm. And I, uh, I was a business and marketing and sales major in college. So I could identify all the principles that they were doing in their, their sales meetings. Right. But still, I was impressed, if that makes sense. Like, I knew they were selling me, but I was still sold. It was awesome. They, they had some impressive stuff going. <laughs> so um, I, I went to a few of their workshops to begin with. And um, initially, I wanted to sign up for their program. But at that time, it was $25,000, and I didn't really have it. And so I, I kind of puttered around for a little while and I just, I would do their free stuff online. I'd go to their websites, they've got blogs and I would just read all their free stuff and I would go to biggerpockets.com after I read all the fortune builder stuff. And eventually I said, I need to join this team. Yeah. So eventually I went my, I actually went to my parents and I convinced them to loan me the money to join the fortune builders program. And so I guess in about mid-2011 is when I officially signed up for, for Than's program. And uh, I just I haven't looked back since. Well, a lot of people think of that. They look at that price tag and think, Are you crazy? But let me just ask you a simple question. Have you made your investment back? The first deal I did, Joe, my first wholesale, I made twenty grand. So I pretty much got my whole investment back in the first wholesale since I was a member of Fortune Builders. Right. And it is, it is expensive, but I will tell you this, the best real estate that you'll ever invest in is the four inches in between your ears. I am a firm believer in education, 
and uh, getting it from somebody who knows what they're talking about, who's actually doing deals, right? Yeah, and I'll, I'll add to that a little bit. Uh-huh. If you don't mind. It's not just the education, but it's the coaching as well. So you can educate yourself all day long, but it's still from your perspective, right? You're still bouncing the ideas around in your head. What really helped me was embracing this idea of coaching, letting these coaches really kick me in the tail and light a fire under my butt and hold me accountable and that's really what took me to the next level. So educating myself and then being coachable, those were the two most valuable things I ever got. That's really good. Um, and, you know, it doesn't have to be a large national coaching company. Oh, absolutely not, Joe. A lot of the best coaches are right there in your own market. Mm-hmm. So, But you got to get a coach. That's my point. Agreed. And, and I often talk about the three M's to success um, are marketing, momentum, and getting a mentor. Marketing is obviously where it all starts. And there's something to be said about momentum. You do the marketing, you do it consistently, you're persistent with it, constantly doing the marketing, getting the phone to ring, practicing getting better, building that momentum, doing the follow-up, and then getting a mentor to help you with that process, that journey. So if you make a mistake, um, well, they help you avoid the mistakes. And they help you see the hidden doors or the traps that you might otherwise get in trouble with. But having a coach, having a mentor, my point is this, is super, super critical. And um, whether, you're in, whether you're in sports, whether you're in – no matter what kind of business you're in, um, everybody needs a coach. It's so important. So, uh, okay, Robert, now you're in Fortune Builders. You start what, – you, what kind of strategy did you lean towards? Was it rehabbing or wholesaling? Um, what, yeah, when I very first started, I, um, I was having issues. I'm, I'm still pretty young, but at the time I was really young in my early 20s when I first started. So, so recruiting money, recruiting funding from private lenders was not the easiest task to begin with. They all just looked at me like I was a joke asking them for money. So the first strategy I really implemented was wholesaling. And um, what that allowed me to do was actually the best thing that ever happened to me, even though I wanted, I wanted to jump right into rehabbing. I had the experience from contracting. I had done a lot of rehabs myself before. I have zero fear around taking on projects like that, uh, mostly because I knew how to analyze a project. I knew how much that it would cost. I knew all the fees associated on the sell side. So really evaluating a, a deal, was I was totally confident in that from – pretty early on. But what happened again was I didn't have any funds to do any rehabs. So I really jumped into wholesaling. And the reason that worked out so well for me was it it took my networking to the next level. Because in order to sell all these properties that I was coming across, I had to build my buyer's list. Well, how did I build my buyer's list? I started by going to every local RIA group, right? Your real real estate investment groups. I started cold calling every single person I could that had a name because I signed up for every person's list opt-in. I opted into every list I could possibly opt into. And here in Dallas gurus are a dime a dozen, right? There's a million meetups, there's a million groups, there's a million different gurus out there. So I just started cold calling every single one of them. And I was trying to learn as much as I could. I was trying to build my buyer's list. I was just trying to get involved. And so wholesaling really allowed me to build a foundation, create some consistent revenue, build a buyer's list, really build a stable business. And from there, I could kind of show and prove 
that I was trustworthy. I proved I had a valuable business, which really allowed me to raise money. So I started with wholesaling. It was my foundation. It's not what I wanted to do in my own mind. I, I was a rehabber. I wanted to jump right in rehab. Screw this wholesale stuff. I'm a rehabber. Yeah. And I was kind of forced into wholesaling and it ended up being the best thing that could have ever happened to me. So do you do much rehab now or are you still doing mostly wholesaling? I rehab about 10% of the deals I do. So not a whole lot of rehabbing, mostly wholesaling. Nice. And I think that is important to think about. Because I, I, I remember when I got started thinking, um, wholesaling, yeah, you know, it's not sexy enough. I want to do the big deals. I want the big thirty, forty thousand $40,000 profit deals. And so um, I was also buying and holding property. I was trying to do rehabs, although every rehab I've done, I've lost money on two of them. <laughs> Actually, quite spectacularly, did I lose money on those? Um, I don't mean to laugh at you, Joe, but I just I think we can all relate. To yeah, that, to a point where it's a little bit funny for all of us, you know. Right. Well, it was when my back was against the wall that I thought, you know what, I need to figure out this wholesaling thing because you can't eat equities, right? I had properties with equity in it, actually, that a few years later disappeared when the market crashed. But you can't eat equities. You got to know how to make cash, and you got to learn how to make cash fast. Yeah. So when I started wholesaling, sure enough, I started making money and realized, you know what? The same amount of time that it takes me to rehab a deal and make money and all the moving parts that are involved with that, the the banks, the buyers, the, the realtors, the lenders, the, um, the inspectors – all these moving parts that you have to worry about in the city with the permits and, and the contractors. And you could make good money on a rehab deal, but the same amount of time that it takes you to rehab that deal with all the headaches and hassles involved with that, you could wholesale three, four, five deals, make the same amount of money with a lot less work and be in and out of it really quick. So you have to ask yourself, would you rather make a quick nickel or a slow dime? Yeah, and Joe, not to not to inject some here, but... The one of the great things that happened when when I started consistently wholesaling and you talked about marketing and being consistent with your marketing, that concept changed my life because when I started consistently marketing, which allowed me to consistently wholesale, my personal life improved dramatically because when I was rehabbing, I would make a ton of money. And then I'd go three months without collecting a check. And then I would make a ton of money on a couple deals. And I was riding this roller coaster of success. And my wife was about ready to push me over the cliff. (laughs) There was so much inconsistency in in what I was earning that even though it was significantly more than the average person made, it was still so inconsistent that my personal life really struggled. It was really hard to come home every day and explain to my wife why I make a lot of money one month and none the next. Wholesaling by having consistent revenue, it dramatically improved my personal life as well. My marriage improved because my business was improving. And I know that might sound silly, but it was so true for me. That's interesting. It is true because – and that's why that, that, that relates to the thing about momentum that I was talking about, right? You've got to have that momentum going because – most of us, when they have a problem in our business with cash flow, it's because we're not doing enough marketing. Marketing almost fixes all of your problems, almost fixes all of your problems because <clears throat> if you're doing a lot of marketing, you're getting a lot of leads, and then you can just cherry pick the best, easiest deals to do. Any investor who doesn't see themselves as a marketer is in a world of hurt. 
we are marketers as investors. Our vehicle is just so happens to be real estate, but we are marketers. Well said. Really well said. All right. So you're doing the marketing consistently. You are um, starting to wholesale a lot of deals. And your wife is starting to like you a little more <laughs> yep. because you're not going through these huge swings in these these big valleys. Exactly. But I, I bet – I imagine pretty early on you realized, look, I understand the importance of marketing. But if I don't get somebody else to do this for me, it's just not going to get done. So talk about your journey on realizing how much – how important it was to get virtual assistants to help you with this. Yeah, it was crazy because what I would do is I would send, for example, um, a yellow letter batch and I was going to do some direct mail. And I, would, I got it all together and I had someone handwrite the envelopes. I had Craigslist ads for people to, to do the fulfillment, to fold uh, stuff, stamp these letters, send them out. Well, I'd send 500 letters and the phone would start ringing. So I would have to stop sending letters and answer all these calls, do the evaluation, go look at all these properties. And now I'm two weeks down the road and I haven't sent any marketing and the phone's not ringing. So now I'd pay someone to, to get the letters together. We'd get them all back going. We'd drop them in the mail. And then I would do the same process over and over again. So I was just going up and down, up and down, up and down. I'd have leads coming in, but it was so inconsistent because Without the consistent lead flow, I was just I was constantly jumping. I would turn the marketing machine on and then I'd turn it off, turn it on, turn it off. Yep. And what would happen was when I turned it off, it took me literally a couple weeks after I turned it back on to recover from turning it off. Yep. And so even though it felt like I was sending marketing out like once a month, it was actually hurting me significantly more than even that because it wasn't out all the time. But I couldn't handle the lead flow. And I didn't really know what to do. But I help, I'm, I'm licensed as a realtor. And there's a local investor in my market who I got to know pretty well. And we're now he's one of my best friends. But at the time, he was a rehabber and he had a successful brokerage. And I, I showed up in his office one day and we started growing the brokerage together and really working together. And one day I couldn't figure out how we were getting so much work done in the brokerage with only a few of us. We were just blowing and going inside the brokerage and there was tons of things being done and I had no idea how they were being done. My broker was leveraging virtual assistants and he had gone to a mastermind where I, I think it may have been Gary Keller from Keller Williams had discussed this concept of using virtual assistants in your brokerage to really take it to the next level. So you can have a closing coordinator, you can have a listing coordinator, you can have admins that do all this different stuff. So I started evaluating what, what my broker was doing. I took one of the virtual assistants that we had working in the brokerage and I started training them to work for me. And the first VA I ever had, was I would get him going. I think that he'd have everything he needed and he would send me an email back with a million questions. And so I spent about eight weeks one-on-one -on, -one on Skype with my VA beating my head against the wall, trying to get him up to speed. After about eight or nine weeks, he was good. He was actually really freaking good. And he was better than I was at most of the stuff I was doing, cold calling, answering the phone, data build, like just building lists and researching. Because yeah. I would get tired researching or building a list and Dennis would just blow and go. He, he never even looked up. He was just crushing it. So 
had one VA that was playing really well, and I wanted a second one, but I didn't want to train them. I was like, I don't want to go through that again at all. So I said, Dennis, I'm going to bring someone on and give you some help, and I want you to train them. So Dennis brought on a VA and started training them, but the thing was, Dennis still did not really understand investing well enough to teach someone how how we're doing things, right? right? There's a difference in just doing the process and really understanding what you're doing. And what I mean by that, an example is, if you're answering the phone from a seller, you need to ask the right questions and you need to be an active listener to understand what that, that lead is telling you. You've got to be able to gauge motivation. So whenever they're telling you information, you You've got to be able to analyze it and decipher it. What does that mean? And what are our actionable items as a result of that motivational level? What's our next step? And so if this person didn't really understand or couldn't conceptualize what we were trying to accomplish as investors, then they really weren't worth that much to me answering the phone or, or you know, working with leads. Um, and I didn't want just the call center to fill out a little bit of information for me because then I was still doing all the work. It was no different. I was just had someone that's answering the phone, but then I still had to do all the work. And so eventually I created a really, but really robust training program just internally for what I was doing because I was going crazy, not having systems. I mean, talk about beating my head against the wall was when everything was in my head. And then trying to get that out to my team was just awful. I mean, it was horrible. And so I, the, by having VAs and having to train people in my business, it forced me to micro mind map my business. And what I mean by that is I had to map out every phase of my business, step by step, what did it take to accomplish every single thing in my business? And until I had that micro mind map, outsourcing was a nightmare, right? Because I didn't even really understand my own business to teach someone how to do these things. Right. And so once I, I mind mapped my business, got some VAs going, honestly, it changed my life. And that sounds a little cliche, but it really did. It changed my life. It changed my business because what it allowed me to do was focus on driving the bus. I had people in the back now running all the ancillary tests, doing the day-to-day things that they needed to accomplish to run my business. But I could focus on growth. I could focus on new marketing ideas. I could focus on creating better systems. And so it literally changed my day-to-day as an investor. What am I now responsible for? I'm responsible for driving the bus and that's where I needed to be anyways. And that's what VAs allowed me to do right out of the gate. Nice. Well, I like the the fact that <laughs> Because a lot of people complain about VAs. I don't have much success in VAs or they don't work for me. And immediately when I hear somebody complain about that, it's usually 99% of the time. Maybe maybe that's a little high, but it's usually because they have not trained the VA or they haven't figured out their own systems. They haven't written or designed the systems that they need to – Get the VA to do that stuff. So if if you don't even know what you're doing, if you don't have the systems in place, then how can your VA know that stuff and how can they do it themselves? And when you have the right systems in place, you can give them defined goals and defined targets, can't you? These are the results that I want to have and I need to have these by 5 o'clock every day. 
And then this is how you go do it. Does that make sense? Super well said. Very well said. And I totally agree with that. Cool. All right. So you start training VAs for your own business. And how did that open up to becoming um, – well, f- I, I want to talk about what you have the VAs do here in a minute. But to follow along this train of thought, how did that open up to you now are – have uh, how many VAs do you have working for you now? Uh, well, it, with it, between the two businesses, the brokerage and my investing business. Yeah. And so my investing business is in two cities, Houston and Dallas. And then I've got the brokerage in North Texas. So um, between, really between it's two businesses, three cities, we have five VAs going full time. Nice. Okay. Now in your business where you outsource your VAs, um, how many VAs do you have in that business? Uh, we're at like 680 right now, I think. 680. That's awesome. All right. So um, you're making – it seems like you're doing some really good things. You're 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 doing some – Traditional wholesaling investing type of stuff. You're also doing traditional realtor type of stuff. And uh, you have a business where you're now giving people your VAs that you've trained in these same systems that you use for your own business. Um, sounds like you got some good things going for you. Really yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's working out really well. And um, honestly, Joe, every day gets better because I've just, as I improve my systems and then working with enough investors across the, the country now, I'm constantly growing. I view everything I do as living. And what I mean by that is everything's open for change at all times. I have uh, a mantra within all my businesses that I'm not going to hire someone unless they can provide value to me. And what I mean by that is when I hire someone, I want them to take ownership of what they're doing, what their processes are, and I want them to improve that and improve on that every single day. So then I can take those improvements and I can implement them not only in my own business, but I can help other investors do that for as well in their businesses. Nice. Very nice. Okay. So talk about some of the things you have your VAs do and focus on the wholesaling side of the business since that's what we kind of talk about a lot on this podcast what are some of the things you have your vas do okay awesome yeah so my vas run they do about 80 percent of all the tasks that are required in the business they do about 80 percent of them yeah and so pretty much any and everything that's on the phone or on the computer they do and so that's from when a lead calls, so the majority of our marketing is uh, direct mail. We send a ton of direct mail out, lots using every door direct mail. We buy a lot of lists. Um, I use uh, Chris Chico and Gary Boomershine's REI Vault, nice. and that's just been you know that's a monster program they've got there. Very impressive. And so most of my leads come from direct mail. So I have a huge, a lot of call volume. So the first thing they do is they answer the phone. They, they work through that lead flow from the phone to initial evaluation and categorization. So they categorize these leads as either hot, needing follow-up, they're dead, meaning there's, there's no chance at a deal there, and agent referral. So our goal within the wholesaling business is to refer enough leads out to realtors and collect enough of a referral fee to cover the majority of the monthly overhead. So when they're taking the leads, they there are 
initial, the primary responsibility is trying to convert that lead into a deal. Well, what, this is that's brilliant what you just said, and because and, that's what I'm kind of starting to do myself now, and I love this. So maybe let me rephrase that. Um, you you're, you're doing marketing for for sellers that want to sell their house, right? And a lot of the leads that come in, you're referring to agents. And I'm assuming you're you're referring these deals to agents in your house. I mean, in your company, right? Yeah. So the way that works is um, we're we're doing a lot of lists such as high equity absentee owner lists. Right. Okay. So the the equity is there, but oftentimes there's not a ton of motivation. Right. Right. But so if we can get enough people to raise their hand and say they want to sell, we're trying to capitalize on every lead. And the truth of it is with those lists, my high equity, my absentee owner, lists like that, about 80% of the leads that come in, about 80 out of every 100, are people looking to sell, but they want full retail value. Right. And so initially, whenever I first started investing, I just let those leads go. And I just, I never even thought about them, honestly. They want full retail. See you later. That's fine. Thank you for calling. I'll mark you off the list. I'm not going to send you any more mail. Thank you very much. Right. But what started happening was the brokerage, we had all these newbie agents and they were terrible at prospecting as most realtors are. They're just bad at prospecting. Right. And so in order to give these realtors some activity, I started referring leads over to them. And so I just changed what, what our script was on the phone so that when you answer the phone, our initial elevator pitch and the initial conversation, we, we have some critical questions that we're asking, some critical information we're trying to get. Once we get that information oftentimes it's very clear within the first five minutes of a phone call if you're whoever's handling that lead is any good it becomes very clear within the first five or six minutes on the phone whether that lead is going to work for you in your investment business or not and not always but oftentimes what we just say is our line is this is what what the whoever's taking the call is responsible for saying once they get someone that they know will be a great agent referral. We just say, thank you so much for your information. It sounds like this is not a good fit for me. However, I can help you get the most money possible for your property by referring you to one of our expert advisors. I'm going to hand you off to one of our expert advisors that can help you get absolutely the most money possible for your property. So, Mr. Seller, I'm going to have Wes call you this afternoon, and he'll set up an appointment. And in, in fact, why don't you just let me go ahead and set an appointment for you? Would this afternoon be a good time for you? No, 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 I can't meet till tomorrow. Okay, what time is good for you? We try to set an appointment right there on the phone, and then we have the agents just go meet on those appointments. We call that a warm handoff. If we can set an appointment for an agent, we charge a 50% referral fee on their commission. If it's a cold handoff, meaning that this person said they wanted to sell, but they wouldn't really give us much information, we'll hand their information to the agent. And if the agent has to start basically from ground up to work that from a prospect all the way into a lead, into a, a, a deal, then we take 25% of that transaction. We're generating enough activity 
in our business to refer enough leads out to cover a lot of our expenses each month. Does that make sense? <laughs> that is so flipping brilliant. Um, I'm excited. I'm super excited because we definitely need to talk about this and maybe offline <laughs> because um, I got some really cool things I'm working on right now that I'm just not prepared to share yet on the podcast, but it relates to exactly what you're talking about here. And, um, and just in the interest of full disclosure too, guys, Robert and I are talking right now. I'm, I'm in the process of hiring one of his VAs to work for me, but that's, that's how much I believe in what Robert is, is talking about here. And, um, he's got an amazing system. And so just so I'm clear, because I think this is brilliant. If if more people got a hold of this, it would absolutely revolutionize their business. Because if you've got realtors working with you or under you, under you, or if you have a license, or if your spouse is licensed or something, so one of the owners of your business, um, you can start referring your dead leads to agents, and you can start getting commissions on those leads. And if you're if you're doing enough of that, you could be making enough money from those agents quite a substantial amount of money, as a matter of fact, um, that it could pay for all of your overhead, all your marketing, all your virtual assistants. And in fact, maybe even more. And I'm looking at some things right now, Robert, where uh, if, I, if I do this in enough markets, I could be making, I'm not going to say how much yet, but I could be making quite substantial amount of money with the marketing I'm doing just for realtors. I could be doing marketing just for realtors. But there's a there's a second piece to that, Joe. Can I can I add yeah, a yeah. second piece to that? Yeah. So what happens also is whenever you start referring, so I refer leads to agents that that work for us in the brokerage, right? But not a hundred percent of the time. And let me tell you why. Is because when you can when you can put leads out there into the market, agents love that, right? They love you. So guess what happens when that agent comes across a property that fits your needs as an investor? Who do you think the first person they call is? Oh, they're going to call you. They're going to call you. And so what happens is agents will be in the field every single day setting up appointments for my sales guys, for my acquisition team to go meet with them. When my acquisition team shows up, the agent is selling my company to the seller, right? They're, they're selling me for me. And the reason is the agent's trying to get paid. They just want to close the deal, right? And so they're sitting there explaining to the seller why an all cash offer where I play, pay the closing costs, we can even discuss negotiating the realtor's fees, why that is so beneficial to the seller and why they should do that. So rather than my sales guy having to do their sales pitch and convince these sellers that we're trustworthy and they need to work with us, the agents have already done that. So it makes closing that deal significantly easier. It is so crazy how powerful that is to have the agents on your team. Oh, man. I, I think um, we're, we're just scratching the surface of what you could potentially be doing with this. But I'm yeah, super- can, I, can, can I give one disclosure about yeah, that, yeah. Joe? The only thing I'll say about this is for everyone, if you're an investor and you're marketing for in, in leads that are going to fit your mold as an investor, it's in my opinion, a conflict of interest, and it does not work if you try to buy their house at a significant discount, and then you try to list that property at full retail. If you offer a seller 
a certain amount and they say no. And then you try to just flip the conversation into the, oh, well, I can list it for you. That almost never, ever works. You have to have someone that you trust that you, as an expert advisor for this person that you can set them up with. Because otherwise, the sellers just see right through you. They're like, you, you want to offer me $50,000 for my $100,000 house. And when I tell you no, now you're telling me I can sell it for $100,000 and that you'll represent me. It creates a conflict of interest. So that's why it's, you, it's, you need to have really good people on your team as realtors so that you can set those appointments and they can close those leads for you. But if you, if you talk to someone as an investor, you need to just follow through all the way as the investor, stay in your role, and then just have good team members that you can refer those to. That's, that's, that's really what I good. feel. That's really good. You're having your VAs make these phone calls, right? Oh, absolutely. So any inbound or outbound calls that come in, the VAs handle those. And these VAs have good English. Oh, so English is one of the national languages in the Philippines, and I hire all my VAs out of the Philippines. So it's so funny. Um, as I was uh, just an hour or two ago, interviewed a guy from for our podcast. His name is Tom Wade. Uh, lives in England. And he's flipping a bunch of deals virtually in England while he travels all over Europe. He, he's an awesome guy. And uh, he's actually been he's actually flipped deals in the United States. Um, and so what's funny is <laughs> a lot of the VAs he hires um, from the Philippines have Americanized English accents, <laughs> which is hilarious. It is really funny. They, yeah. they pick up on a lot of the lingo. They, they're really good with jokes. They know about like – you know, celebrities and they're really in tune with American culture and they love American sports such as the NBA. It's, it's really funny. Right. So, um, one of the challenges he has is to train them with an English accent, a British accent, (laughs) his VAs. I mean, who would have thought that people would be complaining about getting VAs with American English accents that's in the Philippines? I had not thought about that, Joe, but that's hilarious. (laughs) So yeah, we, uh, He's, I, you know, I don't know if the, uh, what's funny too is when I spent, we spent a lot of time in Prague and a lot of the English that they teach people in Europe is more British English. So sometimes you'll hear the British accents from foreigners, uh, when they're speaking English. But, uh, what's funny, I guess, yeah, in America, I mean, in the Philippines, you gotta, (laughs) if you're trying to hire a virtual assistant to work for you in England, um, I don't know how hard it would be to train a Filipino to have a British accent. Uh, I'm Probably not, pretty tough. I would imagine. Yeah, that would be like us trying to learn Spanish with a Mexican accent or a, uh, from a European Spanish accent. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> but um, that is so cool because, um, Robert, specifically, I'd like to talk with you. Um, about doing that. I'm starting to do more marketing now for agents. I am a licensed agent myself. And um, I've just, in the last couple of weeks, started doing Facebook ads for for agents that I've I've found some um, top producing agents here in St. Louis. And I've been discussing and negotiating with them a structure where I could either take the leads that I'm working on for my regular house buying business and either send them to an agent. Um, but I'm also starting to do look at some more marketing specifically for listings. And um, 
it's different. It's still I'm still targeting specialty niche lists, um, but the marketing, even some of the marketing I send, uh, I'm a little embarrassed, but even some of the marketing that I send is like stay away from those investors. They'll try to buy your property for six cents <laughs> on the dollar. You should sell only sell with an agent and get more <clears throat> money. So I'm actually bashing investors on some of my marketing that I'm sending out, and so um, I know I'm going to get a bunch of hate mail from that. So anyway, um, I love that. Uh, so I'm really, this is so cool. If you actually set an appointment for the realtor, you can, you're negotiating 50% of the, the commission. Yeah. And I, that's, that's non-negotiable. It, either you're on board for that as an agent or you're not. And I'm not going to negotiate on that. I'm not going to hand you a hot lead for you to go list an appointment. I mean, go list the property and then earn 75% of the commission. To me, it's worth more than 50% of the commission spread to have the lead generated and basically closed for you before you ever stink and show up. <laughs> and so, but still fair. I mean, if, if you send them a lead without an appointment, you're keeping 25% of the commission, um, but you might want to try to get 35%. There you go. Um, that's a good idea. The, that's what I'm, I've been talking to agents and it's important too, that you're working with a top producing agent who understands sales and negotiating, right? You got to have a closer. The, yeah. These people have to be, they've got to be focused on closing. This is not a, you know, we're not making friends out there in the field. We, we are capitalizing on opportunity and that's the only thing that matters. So you've got to have a really good agent that's great at building rapport and closing leads. They have to, they have to close. And that's really, really important. And that's why they're, they're, they're top producing agents for a reason. Um, exactly. They, they exactly. understand the importance of speed. You know, they understand the importance of calling that seller back immediately, a relentless follow-up. They put these sellers in campaigns to follow up with them and be persistently staying in touch with them. And they have this tenacity of they go into that listing appointment expecting to get a listing agreement. They expect to get that contract signed. And without being a jerk, you know, they're they're not going to leave that house until they get this listing agreement signed. They have exactly. confidence and bulldogged, what's the word, pig-headed um, discipline to, to get it done. I love that. Go They've got to be on a mission. These are mission-focused agents that are really good at, at building rapport and building nice. relationships. Nice. Okay, so Robert, um, I'm doing this now, right, this marketing, but I'm just sending all of the leads directly to the realtor's team. Okay. The leads are coming into Podio and then they're getting notified and they're following up and contacting those leads. And I have a negotiation, a negotiated split on the commission if any of them turns into a listing. But do you think I should have somebody, um, a VA on my end, returning those calls or answering those calls first before I hand it over to the agent? Yeah. What you're asking makes sense. And it totally depends on. Um, your, whatever strategy you want to implement. And what I mean by that is what kind of overhead do you want to have? What kind of process? Do you want to have team members that you're managing, such as VAs, to do that? Um, what kind of commission split can you earn? You just need to kind of figure out what the cost-benefit analysis will be. And if so the agents, I mean, the VAs can be trained very easily 
to have high level conversations with these agents and they can also set appointments for these agents, right? So we've got VAs in the brokerage whose only job is setting appointments with prospects. So we do a lot of online lead generation for the brokerage. And so we've got VAs that all day are just on the phone dealing with prospects. And so our buyer's agents within our own brokerage, they're only responsible for um, buyer representation agreements, getting them pre-qualified with our preferred lender, and then closing the deal. Our agents only work with individuals. They don't prospect. They don't work on the phone. And in fact, once they have any kind of property under contract, they send it back in-house and we have VAs that are closing coordinators. So our agents don't, they're, they're only responsible for buyer rep agreements, pre-qualified with our preferred lenders, and then getting a contract. Outside of that, they don't do anything. And their schedules, what they're required to do is every month, for the full month in advance, which can be very difficult, but for a full month, they've got to give my VAs a calendar and we share a Google calendar. Everyone's got shared calendar. And the VAs know what availability the agents have. So they're not having to call the agents to set appointments. They're just setting appointments in Google Calendar so the agent automatically gets notified where they need to be. My goal is for my buyer's agents to just be busy all day long out in the field. And then I'm taking 50% of their commission for them to do that. And they either get that, they're either on board or they're not. So it really depends. Your question is it really just depends how you want to manage your business and how you have that set up. I think you could be very successful the way you, you have it where you're just sending the leads directly to the agents. As long as you've got good agents on the backside that are really going to value every lead you send, that, that, that's a fine structure to have. But if you don't really trust those agents, you need to prequal and do the initial work in-house so that you know they're hot leads when you send them over. Well, that's a good question. Um, did, did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Because – and that's a great answer. I think the – for me personally um, – I would love to be able to go ahead and schedule that appointment and get them to commit, get that seller to commit to a time because, you know, there's money loves speed. I, I, I like that phrase a lot because you got them on the phone. I mean, how often do you play phone tag with sellers? Exactly. And you, you're Joe. playing this back and forth. So they leave a message and then I send it to the realtor and the realtor may be really good with calling and following up and they're calling them every day for a week or, you know, but there's just, you can't connect at the right time, but I've got that seller on the phone now. Boy, I would, I think I would prefer to try to get a uh, an appointment set right then and there. Um, at so least, my goal, my yeah. goal is to control everything, but not be involved in anything. If that makes sense, like <laughs> that should I, be want, the, I want everything to be my process. I want to have control on every single thing. I just don't want to do any of it. I I'm going to title this podcast "Control Everything" and be involved <laughs> with nothing. I mean, that's, you know, that is what any good CEO of any company does, right? I mean, you don't see the CEO of GE going on sales appointments, well, maybe on big, big, huge billion-dollar jobs. But, I mean, yeah, even then, you don't see uh, the, the heads of large companies going out and doing the day-to-day -day stuff, controlling everything and being involved with nothing. I think is a goal that we should all have in our business. But yeah, back to this thing where 
the seller calls, they're ready to go. I mean, they called you for a reason. You know exactly. how hard it is to get people on the phone. Um, I would say, yeah, go ahead and get the, get some kind of appointment scheduled. And it could even be simple as, you know, would you like to meet today at 6 or tomorrow at 9? Right? Exactly. You're giving them these two choices. Yep, and you just train your VA or whoever. It doesn't have to be a VA. That's the thing. You don't have to hire VAs to do this. If you want to hire someone and have them sitting in your office, that's great. But they need to be good on the phone, and you just need to either teach them or you've got to get some help with that training. But that person that's setting appointments, they're just using lots of assumptive closings, right? They're taught how to say, okay, you want to sell your property. We'll be there tomorrow at 3. And the seller goes, uh, 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 okay, Right? You don't give them options. You don't give yeah. them opportunity. You don't let them back out of it. They called you. We're going to work together, right? And you're just telling them that you're going to work together. You're expecting them to, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And you'll get some pushback sometimes, right? But you'll cl- close way more deals than you would otherwise if you really use a lot of assumptive closing. You know, I was talking to um, my one of my business partners, Peter Vexelman, yesterday. I went to his office. Those of you who know Peter or seen us talk about our coaching program, uh, I went to Peter's office for the first time, and the guy is just crushing it. He's got a sales floor literally in his office of about a dozen people. Um, I don't know. He's got 1,500 square feet in his office, and every square inch has a desk in it almost. <laughs> and he's got people, guess what, on the phone. And yep. his goal for everybody in there is to do 150 calls a day. They're doing some crazy ninja stuff with marketing, getting the phone to ring. They're doing relentless follow-up. They have this wall where they have all of their current deals that they're working on in folders that are hanging on this wall, kind of in this pocket system. And each column is for a different phase of the deal, right? And it's just covered with nope with these uh, folders of all these deals, transferring them, you know, from the left to the right and to closed. And uh, it's so cool to see. Anyway, I said all that to tell you that um, right now he is um, he used to have all of his calls go to twenty four hour recorded voicemail. And the reason for that was you you tend to get more phone calls when there's it's less threatening. Um, it's less of a less threatening. So it's just you call this 24-hour recorded voicemail. You get more phone numbers, right? Well, you get a lot of calls, and then you call all the hangups, and you call all the people that left a voicemail. But he's he's been testing this, and he's found that it's much better to have it just go to a phone number where somebody answers live. You may get a fewer you may get fewer calls, but if you have somebody that answers the phone live, you 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 weigh more than make up for the fewer calls that you get. I don't know if I'm making sense. I think you are. And I totally agree. I'm all I've, I've tried the call centers and I've tried voice. You can be successful with the voicemail. And one of the things about a voicemail that's good is that if someone leaves a voicemail, then their, their motivation is probably pretty high. So you can cherry pick a lot of the, the leads that come in based around that voicemail. But if you're really looking to grow and scale and have a really strong business, then just picking leads that are, we call those self-closing leads. The, the, the deals are, they're basically selling themselves for you. Right. If that's all you want to do, that's fine. But most people want to do more than just the, you know, a few deals a year that are going to self-close. And so I agree that it gives you an advantage to, to have a live person answer. 
And it's also a huge advantage if you are driving people to a website and they leave their phone number. You've got to have somebody call them back within a couple five minutes at the most, right? Yeah, there's there's tons of empirical data and there's no dispute around this. If you call someone within the first five minutes, you're over an 80% more likely to close, turn that lead into a deal, into actual transaction. If you wait outside of 30 minutes, it drops down dramatically, but it's within literally the first five minutes you need to call on. Well, and see, that's what I'm so excited about, Robert, because a lot of the mail, the direct marketing that I'm doing right now for these realtor listings, um, they send them to a website or even has them text a phone number with their information, right? So even one of the letters says, just text your address to this phone number Um, because it's less threatening, right? But imagine if you could have a VA or somebody local call that website lead or that text lead within five minutes and get the appointment scheduled. It's like, dang, that's awesome. That's huge. That's, that's huge. Rachel's full. That's Rachel's full-time job for us. That's all she does is she sits there and her job is we've got online leads in the brokerage coming every single day. We, we leverage commissions Inc and several other uh, PPC platforms and her job full-time is to call people back. And because that's proved what's successful for us. And it's been huge. I can't tell you how huge that is for our business. So you call those leads, those website leads, as soon as they leave the lead in there. Absolutely. And because they'll answer the phone, they're a little shocked, right? They're a little surprised that you called them with so quick, but so stinking what? That's how you got them on the phone. If they knew you were calling, they wouldn't answer the phone, right? (laughs) Right. Because part of the problem that I have in my regular business is it's just so hard to get a hold of people. I mean, Peter Peter was telling me they had a 20% success rate of calling people back who left a voicemail. 20% 20% success rate. Um, it may, it might've been a little higher than that. I forget the numbers. Um, so you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You're, you're wasting a ton of marketing dollars if you don't have the team in place. So, oh, cool. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about this, Robert. And, and we've already are at an hour and a little more. Um, and there's a whole lot we didn't talk about. Um, but could you just go through real briefly, some of the, what are some of the other things that you have your virtual assistants do for you and your business? Yeah, just to, to give some of the averages about what people usually use their VAs for, just to kind of give um, your listeners a little bit of an idea. Over 75% of people who leverage a VA leverage them for admin tasks. So that's answering the phone, following up, doing email, um, things like that. We have our VAs try to do pretty much every piece of administrative task that they can possibly do from research and preparing presentations and editing my PowerPoints and every single bit of the day-to-day admin tasks that are so time-consuming but necessary, we try to get our VAs to do that. Um, We have a lot of marketing and sales support. So they're answering the phone. They're doing lead flow management. They're following up with the leads. They're running comps. They put property packages together. My VAs manage my, my sales team's calendar because they're setting schedules for them every single day. My goal for my sales team is when they walk in the morning, each morning, we have a 30 minute powwow. Then they, all they do is pull up their Infusionsoft dashboard and their day is laid out for them by the VA. So they're, they're every appointment, every place they're going, every comp. So right, if the, the sales team is going to go 
on an appointment to visit a potential seller and evaluate that lead, my VAs have already equipped them with their comps. The CMAs, both lease and sales comps, they give them a map so they can drive all the comps. So the full package for the sales guys is put together by the VAs. I want my sales guys doing sales. I want my realtors doing sales, right? The realtors need to do the human connection piece and all the support behind them is done by the VAs. Um, the VAs also do what, what I consider customer service in my business, right? People will call in and there's a lot of management. Even when you're wholesaling, you've got to manage the buyers and you've got to manage the sellers and you're the intermediary between the title company. Yeah. So one concept that really took my business to the next level and I didn't even really realize how powerful it was, was when I'm wholesaling, I control the sale through the title company. And what I mean by that is whenever I get a property under contract with the seller, I use the same title company every single time because I have a great relationship with that title company and they're going to feed me information about exactly what's going on. And it also controls the end buyer, whoever I'm wholesaling to, their access to information because the title company approves all all content and all information that's going to be sent to that end buyer, I get to approve that before they get it. So my VAs are screening, they're screening settlement statements, they're checking assignment contracts to make sure everything's there, they're going through all the checklists. So, I mean, long story short, they're literally doing every single task in the office besides meeting with sellers, besides meeting with the buyers, doing property, um, in-house property evaluations. My VAs can't from the Philippines, they can't do a repair estimate in a house, right? They can guess what repairs might be, but they can't walk through the house. So they can't do repair estimates. And I'm not having them negotiate contracts. I'm having my sales team actually negotiate contracts, but I do have the VAs throw out feeler offers. I have an entire MLS offer system where my VAs full-time, they scan through the MLS They cold call these realtors and then they're making offers. And if that offer is close, then it goes to my sales team for full evaluation, if that makes sense. So because the VA is never going to offer something that's going to get accepted right away. But based on the feedback from the listing agent, the VA will categorize that lead and my sales team gets to just review all the hot leads for 30 minutes a day. They can review hundreds of leads if they need to very quickly because the VAs have put the property packets together. So they're really, they're, they're supporting the entire business. They really run the back end of the entire business. Oh man, this is, uh, it's quite an amazing system you have here. And I'm, my mind is racing hundred miles an hour right now of things I could have, um, these, these VAs do for me that, um, you know, I've been using VAs for years. <clears throat> and so I totally understand. I totally get it, but there's still, there's still sometimes I have in my mind mental roadblocks of like, could they really do all of that? Could they really do this? Could they, and, um, just having the opening up of your uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, just kind of open up to the new possibilities of what you really could do. Yeah, it's not going to be as perfect as if you're doing it yourself, but it's going to be good enough. Where, um, and it's still going to be really, really good. I'm not saying it's just good enough, but it'll still be really good. Not as good as what you're doing, but probably actually even better now because you have somebody just focused on that one thing in your business, and um, they're the, they're going to be consistently doing it. 
quickly, qu- faster than you could be doing it on yourself. So yeah, maybe in the, at the end of the day, it is going to be better. Well, cool, Robert. I mean, we, we've been talking about a lot of stuff and um, how can people get a hold of you? Where can they go to, to get more information about the, the, you and your business and the VAs that you currently have and how you train them and all that good stuff? Yeah, if there if anyone's interested in the the VAs or the VA company, it, you can just go to vaeasybutton.com. So V the letters V A E Z E A S Y button.com, vaeasybutton.com. And that's just a uh, opt-in landing page there so I can have your information and I will reach out to anyone. And if anyone just would like, you know, just needs help or would like to contact me, just opt in there. And that way I have all your info. Nice. Very nice. Do you uh, use Twitter at all or Facebook? Do you let people contact uh, yeah, you? Yeah, I don't have uh, my Twitter account. I'm not going to send anyone there because it's just all marketing. But uh, Facebook, just you can look me up at, at Robert Nickel. And Facebook is crazy. I do a lot of business through Facebook, a lot of messaging, a lot of communication done there. So uh, my last name is spelled N-I-C-K-E-L-L. So just Robert Nickel. You can find me there. Okay. Cool. All right, Robert. Well, thank you so much. Um, I sure appreciate it. Guys, we're going to put all these notes and links and stuff like that on the show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com. And um, I'm excited about this, Robert, because we're going to be talking real soon here. Probably not today, but I'm going to call you tomorrow because <laughs> I want to get going and on Perfect. this. I want to get going on this, and I'm doing some really cool, exciting things with realtors right now that – I'm excited to share with you. And it, it may be good. I could probably put you in touch with Peter as well about how he does his sales floor. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, that'd be great. And uh, Todd Toback is doing a lot of that right now as well himself. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him. I have not. I just heard him speak at you know the same mastermind we were at. Obviously, very impressive process and systems he's got. Well, he's got a machine. He knows how much extra money he will make every month with a, a good salesperson. Um, and I don't remember the exact number, so I'm not going to say what it is, but it was pretty impressive. Um, he's been doing this for quite a while and the money is made on the phone. The money is made on the phone for sure. All right. Well, thanks Robert guys go to vaeasybutton.com to get more information on Robert or look him up on Facebook and you can go to the real estate investing mastery podcast, realestateinvestingmastery.com. To get our show notes, see our other episodes, please leave us a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Leave us a review in Stitcher too. And uh, listen, if you are out of the country, if you are living in Europe, in India, in Asia or Africa, I would love to uh, talk with you. And uh, I love talking to people who live outside of the United States who are doing deals in their own countries in the United States. I'm finding that uh, I'm meeting people left and right. It's so cool. The more I talk about traveling, the more I talk about Europe. Um, in fact, there's Todd Toback calling me right now. <laughs> I'll tell him about <laughs> it. But anyway, um, the more I talk to people with this podcast and the audience and the, and the networking that I do and the masterminds that I'm a part of, I'm, I'm meeting people from all over the world. It is so cool who um, are listening to these podcasts, who are actually doing deals and flipping properties. Um, you know, I've coached people, Robert, that are in the military and have to work in Afghanistan and have extra time to listen to podcasts, to study at real estate, and to start actually doing deals on their off time while, that is amazing. while they're in Afghanistan. 
beyond amazing. You're right, 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 right. So it is cool. Um, but thanks, guys. We will see you all later. Take care.